Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Hey, everybody, this is Jesse and Paige back again, and I'm really excited about today because um, Paige has come from a really busy time in Uganda. She actually went with her mother, her seven-year-old daughter, her brother Dayton, and a group of amazing people from around the Durant area. And um, we're just touching base from that, touching base on where the Lord is in her life, in our life, and I just get to have this awesome conversation with you. So if you want to start, and then uh, we'll just go from there. Yeah. So I, um, and we might, uh, I think, I don't know when this will air as far as for a listener, but we'll be having uh, mom on to, to talk some about Uganda. We might have to bring Foster on, my seven-year-old. Oh, uh, definitely. <laughs> and uh, Annette, one of our other board ministry team members went as well. And and just talking more more about what that that looks like. And we'd love, I'd love someday to take a group from Entourage um, to where maybe, uh, maybe Uganda, maybe not. Um, it's closed right now because of, of COVID. But, uh, but anyway, that's something probably in our future as an organization. And so maybe if you're listening, you feel that spark, that's for you to go someday. But anyway, so yes, I told Jesse, I have a list of things the Lord is speaking to me in this season, and I've got a list of them because I have not grasped them all yet. I'm still, I feel like I just keep coming in back into these, into these things. It's like one of my little, my, I have a first grade daughter going into second grade, and she has these early reader books, and the sentences and the structures are all pretty similar, you know, like you may have like a subject or now switched out on them, like, I saw a dog, I saw a ball, I saw a cat, whatever. Um, and that may have been kindergarten, not first grade. But anyway, but you know what I'm talking about, the books like that, that it's like you're learning these basics with a few changing out of words. And and I feel like even you may hear some of that overlap today, but these are like things that the Lord keeps bringing me back to to teach me foundational stuff right now, uh, for whatever reason. So Jesse, I think the first thing that I just want to say, and some of this may sound so simple, but it's where I'm at. So grace to it, um, that the word of the Lord is the most resourceful thing in our lives because it's the only thing with an internal impact. And I touched on this a little at the last entourage, but, um, specific to, well, honestly, just coming into this year, the Lord told me two things. And, w- and when Jesse and I both use that language, the Lord told us, what we mean by that is, um, and, and this is true for you, um, you are designed to hear from God. Um, when you are born again, your spirit is born again, and His spirit is inside of you. And the Bible says that it bears witness with you, that it teaches you all truth, that it brings things to remembrance. So as Jesse and I are talking about the Word of God, um, we are both talking about reading the Word of God and having our mind transformed by it um, so that we are thinking more like Him, that we're getting cleaned up a little in our thinking, so to speak. But then we're also talking about what the Holy Spirit is testifying to our spirit on the inside of us. And it's like it's like lining something up, like matching shoes. That's why I would compare it to. Uh, so to, again, I have two daughters, and they may have shoes that look just alike, but one is a size 11 and one is a size 4 in their kids' shoe sizes. So, you know, there's a difference. Either they line up or they don't. So when Jesse and I use this language or anyone on the podcast that the Lord is speaking to me, X, Y, Z, we are talking about that there is a... And inter- there's a lining up in our hearts of something we are are reading in the Word or that 
at some point in our life that we've read and been taught in the Word, and then that the Spirit of God inside of us is coming alongside, like lining up a pair of shoes that go together, and that is what we are referring to when we're talking about the Word of God. So it's this marriage of both the written Word and the spoken and inspired Word. So just to lay a foundation for that, God speaks to you, are you listening? And and we are using that like matching shoes, the written and the spoken inspired Word of God. So early in the year, God told me two things. Paige, pray to me to make your feet fast like Elijah. That is from one verse in one chapter in one book in one Bible. It talks about a man named Elijah that outran a chariot. And for whatever reason, the Lord just quickened that in my spirit one day. Think of this story where this man ran fast. Pray that I would make your feet run fast like that. That is the most odd prayer. I don't. Anyway, so I, but I pray that every day this year, and I just trust that there is a provision in it that I don't understand when I pray it in faith. And God told me to pray it, and He knows better than I know. The Bible says that He, the Spirit, will testify to you of the things to come. So He knows what I need to be praying for the things to come. And it certainly has been a very odd, fast paced year. So that. He told me that, and he told me to be prepared to give. And a million times already, I thought, oh, this is why he told me that, because I'm giving in this way or toward this. And then something new comes out, and he just reminds me, but I gave you the heads up, be prepared to give. And I don't know if that's of myself or of my time or of, of ministry or or money, of course. Um, I don't know. But those are the two things he told me, like bookends for the year, like pray this, do this. So when everything else, like when I'm a miss about everything else, I come back to those. And then I'd shared about going to Uganda. He told me two things, two things to pray for Uganda. And then he'd given me kind of a word of knowledge that was more of a, a, a strategic thing. But pray for Levin and pray for infrastructure for this these folks in Uganda. And I got there and, and kind of like, all right, where's the rest of it? And then the Lord just like left that. And I'm like, Lord, you brought me around the world to pray for two things, like I could have just prayed just from home still. And the Lord kind of convicted me like, but do you believe that all life is in my word? Like, so what am I sowing when I'm praying the literal word of God or when I'm standing on the literal word of God? So I'm learning, I'm learning this. This is basic. Like we should all, I should be far past this, but I'm not. And so just in prioritizing, here is what God for sure has told me to do. And even though it doesn't seem on the surface to answer, to like check mark everything off that I'm seeing as a need right now or or whatever, all I can come back to is the word. Mm-hmm. So knowing that it's his word that is the most resourceful thing and it is the only thing with eternal impact that I can sow into a situation, whether in my life or someone else's. That is one of the things God's teaching me right now. Amen. And it's and it's just a noisy gong if we're speaking without love, and God yeah. is love, and I love that. There is no power in my words unless they're from God. Yeah, and that is just so strong. And I love what you said about giving. Um, I just had a recent conversation with Pastor Sierra, and and yeah. she went on Uganda with you, and we talked about this in our yeah. previous conversation on the podcast, but. Pastor Sierra said um, that vision is so important in your life. And think about Esther, think about her place in the palace, Mm -hmm. how, um, what a status she had, and how she was putting it all on the line for the vision she shared with Mordecai. Yes. And that she had to know that vision in order to move forward and not, Mm. and not cling to what she has. Yes. That and and it makes me think of how I'll sway in life mm-hmm. on the distractions around me, yes. but just to have a vision to pull me forward, no matter how good or how bad something is. Um, but she said, uh, when you hang on to a vision, you know where to sow because yeah. you'll sow where you're going, or you'll sow yeah. where God is moving you. And I love that the Lord told you to be prepared to give, um, because it. Giving bears witness to the seed life, to sowing in, in a way where God's promises grow because of the openness of our hands. So I want you to elaborate really quick mm-hmm. on any place you've you've given mm-hmm. this year, um, if that bears witness that you're sowing in places uh, that align with the vision that God has for you. 
Yeah. So I think an immediate way that I could be obedient to that was um, you guys may have heard us talk about hearts at rest. If not, that's the anxiety mm-hmm. Bible study that my mom and I co-authored. Mm-hmm. And in generally, it has been um, it has been free and for donation only. We had to spend some time editing and getting it into a really nice print format, and and so had had incorporated um, independent of entourage incorporated as a business. Really, not so much to make money, but to pay the expense of what it costs to print those books. Because if you have published or printed a book, it's a very costly process, mm-hmm. not accounting for time. Oh, yeah. But um, immediately, I I just knew that was to be given away. So dissolved uh, the business and mm-hmm. just um, put it all for free to download. So you can download that for free at at entourage entourageministries.com. And and so then we just got to take um, 268 copies of that and give it away. And it was very expensive. It is expensive. You translated it. You well, we just it. translated the mom, the sorry, uh, the March on Journal. We oh, didn't okay. translate Hearts at Rest. It gotcha. went to high school students that are English speakers and readers. Awesome. So okay. that would have taken a little longer. But um, but anyway, so that was a way that that I could prepare myself to give. And then I, I just had um, a different, uh, I just talked with my husband, not knowing certain things that might bring in income this this year, but just deciding on the front end, if whatever this class of thing I'm talking about, like if, if I get paid to do ABC, then just deciding no matter what it is, not knowing mm-hmm. what it would be if someone paid me $5 for something or thousand dollars for something, but that category of things, just sanctifying it and saying no matter what it is, it gets given away. Yeah. So those were two things in January that I could decide to do to kind of posture my heart toward that. So that that's what the, I guess sowing or giving away just in the trust that the Lord the Lord will make it work. Whatever needs to to work provision wise will will work. But those were uh, both areas of kind of resource and ministry in my hand that could be given away on the front end. So not necessarily toward something other than just obedience toward that general direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I would say that um, obedience in the Lord is, is the main part of vision anyways, going forward. Yeah. Awesome. Um, this is a side note on vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I may end with later. I mean, the Lord's speaking to me a lot about heart vision. I may have to do a whole series. Yeah. I may have to write a book on it. I don't know. It's it's big. But one of the things the Lord's spoken has spoke to me in this season, and I'm just saying this in case there's someone that needs to hear it on the other end, um, is about a field of treasure, and um, and some of the things I'm looking at. And the Lord said, um, "Yes, you can see like there's gold in this field. So imagine, listener, imagine that you're standing at the forefront of like a pasture, and um, there's a big." treasure chest of gold and you can see it it's huge and so uh that the lord teaching me like yes you're seeing correctly there's gold in the field that you're in so i'm like oh yay whatever like okay and then the lord telling me but the field has been mined for gold Mm -hmm. so (laughs) you can't navigate just by your sight because if you just take off looking at if your vision is on whatever the gold is, mm-hmm. so to speak, I'm not talking about money literally, just like whatever that means, then there are giant holes and pits that you can fall into. Um, but the Lord teaching me to navigate from a place low to the ground from humility, um, because if I'm navigating low, then I really am going to see things differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Lord even just kind of gave me a, a thought on on how um, just being dependent on others in community and their gifting to hear things and see things that I may not see in the field that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so that if I am approaching in humility and dependent on others to speak into what I'm moving toward, because I am moving in that field toward toward the treasure, so to speak. Um, but I'm listening for the Lord to to speak to others, and I'm looking diligently that, that then if we do that and we get to those big 
pitted areas, well, those are places that, you know, we could then pray, Lord, would you just fill this up with your living waters? Mm-hmm. Like your like this area that's been mined, that's void of life, that could be a threat to someone. So that then if, you know, if I'm navigating in a field and I fall into a hole full of water, well, that's not a problem. It's not going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And so just thinking about the, vi- like sometimes I think maturing in vision too, is is important in knowing that visually we can see something and it is right and it is good, mm-hmm. but there has to be a vision um, that that also comes along with how we navigate that. I love that. And so that's just that's not on my list, but you know that's something that I reference a lot in, in navigation right now in my life. Oh, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. And the Lord has been speaking to me too about the urgency of that treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about that last year some, and then a song was kind of erected yeah. from that about in storing your treasure. Early COVID season. Yeah. Yes, in heaven, storing your treasure in heaven. And what are those things that are eternal? God's eternal mm-hmm. and our spirits are eternal. And that's the only thing on this side yeah. of heaven that are. And just that urgency of um, God, Christ, Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus cries out for his bride to yeah. be full and whole and for everyone yeah. to be saved in that urgency of it. And it makes me think of how radical Jesus was to tell a disciple, let the dead bury the dead yeah. and come follow me. And I asked the Lord uh, just specifically about that passage recently, and he told me two things. One makes me a little sad. Because we just lost our dog, which, you know, I'm not really a dog person, but it does scream that that point in life where you just want to pause. Yeah. And you don't want to let this time pass by because the life of our dog stopped. Yeah. But um, the day after, um, you could smell her body deteriorating and you could see the flies coming Mm -hmm. because the world didn't stop. Yeah. And so the Lord told me one thing, that the world didn't stop for that disciple, even if a loved one died. And two, what is something that could actually deter me from a loved one's funeral? And he said, your wedding, that was inevitable if it was that day, or a birth of a child. And the Lord told me that those two things are life-giving. Yeah. And there's an urgency about them. And following Jesus, there's an urgency about it. Yeah. And, and, um, that that my thinking, my structure of this treasure that is to be found mm-hmm. on earth and navigating that vision, mm-hmm. there's an urgency to it that I'll miss if I'm waiting to bury dead things yeah. or, am I, or I'm waiting um, in the stillness of life that keeps moving on mm-hmm. when we're just vapors. Mm-hmm. I love that passage. We we when my grandpa Clyde passed away, my brother was preparing to go on a foreign mission trip, and mm-hmm. it hit at the same time. Wow! And um and so it was that it he had to make that choice. And you know, it's not like a preparing for an international mission trip. You fundraised, you had your heart in it for months, and and so he um, was able to come and spend the day. I think and, and see my grandma right before, or right after, but ultimately chose to go. Um, for that that same purpose. But I think when Jesus says that let the dead bury their dead, like Jesus so often does, he's speaking to the heart of something mm-hmm. instead of like the literal thing. Right. And it's just like when he says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Like there are things of the flesh and there are things or there are things after the flesh and there there are things that are eternal. And our our mindset always has to be on what is what is eternal. And that's just that's why it's navigating too, no matter where we are in life or whatever field we're in. Um yeah. So another thing that the the Lord spoke to me is this simple phrase of who is greater than how. And those are the same letters, W-H-O and H-O-W. And I I was rocking my my little one. I have an infant one night, and that's probably some of the quietest moments that I get hid away upstairs from my my two girls that, that talk and have lots to say and do and and I just, the Lord had put so much on my heart this year. And I just kind of was asking him, how am I supposed to make room in my heart for this when you're already, you kind of, I feel like, Lord, you already filled it up with with, with so much in these other areas. And the Lord just reminded me, who is greater than how? Meaning he is greater. All the provision 
is in who he is, um, not in how he is going to do something. So what I mean by that, whether um, it really doesn't matter what the need of the day is, whether good or bad, the provision for it is in who Jesus is, either as healer, as provider, as light, as shepherd, as king, as my banner, as my peace, whatever, whatever the need of the day is. It is who Jesus, in who Jesus is that I'm going to find the fullness of that that revelation. Um, something new in my walk with the Lord this year that I feel like the Lord has graced me with is is giving me a specific psalm uh, for a specific period of time. And this started in, mm, honestly, probably in, in fall of, of 2020, but uh, more heavily in in January of this year, so I have these certain psalms, and until He like releases me from that psalm, I I usually start or end my day in whatever that particular psalm is, and I just read it, and I don't really understand why, but I just feel like the Lord brings me to these um, these places, and so um, last month. I was in Psalm 121. It's a beauty. It's a classic. Um, but the it talks about how the Lord is um, your keeper and the Lord is your shade at your right hand. And um, and on those two, two qualities or attributes of God or two descriptions of His name and His function— there's just so much life in those. And so, uh, yeah, I think when I get caught up in how uh, how questions and how moments, it's just a quick reminder for me to shift to who He is, to put my eyes on Jesus instead of, of um, whatever else is, is competing for for my heart. And I think a good example that comes to mind is, is what Jesus tells some folks when he's in his public ministry that he's going to destroy the temple in three days and, and build it again. And they kind of laugh and say, how, basically. And they say how because they don't know who they're talking to. And um, how bows to who every time. So I literally made a little graphic that's like, who with the greater than symbol for you math lovers, how. So who is greater than how, just to remind me to get those um, letter characters in the proper order, and that changes everything. Um, something that um, the Lord is, is really speaking to me about also is that um, productivity is not the same as fruitfulness. So I'm just going to pause for a minute, and I'm going to say that again. Productivity is not the same as fruitfulness. And I think that this is a big lesson for me. I think it's a big lesson for Western culture. Um, We are called and commissioned to be fruitful, uh, both in Eden and both in the New Covenant. Um, We are told to be fruitful and multiply in the Old Testament, and that we are called to bear fruit, much fruit, and more fruit in John 15. You'll find find information about that. And fruitfulness, bearing fruit spiritually, which is what we are called to, um, it takes time. It is not immediate, and um, yet it is what we are known by, you will know them by their, you, you know, a tree by, by its fruit, Jesus says. And of course, you'll know them by, by their love, which is, is the greatest gift and the greatest fruit. And, and so sometimes I think I may get productivity misplaced with fruitfulness. And uh, because productivity is quick and it's immediate and it doesn't require the time nor the mystery nor the relationship that fruitfulness would require. 
And I, I think a good example of this is Je- if you if you listen to this, you hear Jesse talk about her garden, Chispa Garden. And so looking at the difference in productivity and and fruitfulness here. Jesse and her team of volunteers have to do a lot of productive things to get the garden ready. They have to like till the soil, they have to pull weeds, they have to prepare the seeds and all these tiny little things that they put them in. I don't know what they're called, but it's productive. It's productive work. Yet that is not the same as fruitfulness. So Jesse, in theory, could be highly productive. I remember there was one day that we just spent a lot of time on Amazon. It was a productive day ordering things that we needed to prepare to be fruitful. But productivity is not the same as fruitfulness. So until the ground is ready and then the seeds go in the ground, that is when fruitfulness occurs. And I think what I'm learning in my heart is that it's easy to get trapped in a cycle of productivity. But it is fruitfulness that we are called to. So sometimes bearing fruit, it, I mean, it looks like branch, like we talk about seed life, but it's branch life. It's just resting and it's just waiting, trusting that through the vein or through the vine, the right thing is going to come, that fruit that is needed to producing your life, that you're existing to producing your life. And you really... You really can't be productive in that moment because you're just depending on the vine to do its job. and uh, But there's an awkwardness, I feel like, in, in the waiting sometimes. And so I think one of the challenges for me in this season is that God has put so much in my heart and in my hand— um, in my heart with ministry, in my hand with my, my families, in, in the areas that I'm, I'm planted right now. But I have this temptation that I want to be super productive, and that can override fruitfulness because fruitfulness comes in the waiting and in the resting. Yet, I can really mask productivity to make it look fruitful. And at the end of the day, one is going to testify of eternal life and one is not. So I'm learning to try to gauge things by, is this productivity or is this fruitfulness? And hear me say, there is a time when productivity leads to fruitfulness. That's good. Uh, The Bible says that if we are going to labor, this is in Hebrews, we should labor to enter its rest. Well, we rest so that we bear fruit. So there is a time, like like to use the example of Jesse again, when she had to prepare the garden in product there were it was a season of productivity that was serving fruitfulness but if she had been totally productive and then never put the seeds in to rest in the ground and do their job fruitfulness wouldn't have come about and then everything else would have been a waste and uh, there's nothing new under the sun it just would have it would have had zero impact no matter how much she sweat no matter how much she planned no matter how efficient she came across until things went into the ground to rest so that fruitfulness could come about, the productivity would have just been been a waste. So, Jess, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, <laughs> use an my example. thought is I remember that day that we did the Amazon order, and my thought is the production is not even the scariest part of it. It's the um, the fruitful part that I can't control that's the scariest. Yeah. Uh, I remember ordering all of that and thinking, oh, God, do you want this garden? <laughs> because he's the one that brings that fruit and and um, I I am very fortunate to partner with that in in aligning that his his will and my work in cultivating that. But after ordering all of those things, just knowing that it's up to the Lord on making a seed fruitful, making a seed like bringing me that seed and trusting Him and and. Um, yeah, that mystery of how he works, yeah, is uh, and and giving away the productive side of it to him is scary. Yeah, I yeah. so I think for listeners, that's a good lens. If you're feeling like, Lord, where do I scale back in life? I feel maxed out, or where do I engage in life? I think using that filter is this fruitful or is this just productive? Um, because productivity that doesn't lead to fruitfulness is in vain. In it, in its yeah, like grasping the the wind, kind of as Jesse as Jesse said. Um, I 
I think sometimes that we say things in the Lord. It says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the other day, I made a comment that really embarrassed me after I made it, and um, I totally didn't mean anything, um, no ill will by it. But I'd ask this lady. She graduated from college, and then I bumped into her, and I said, so what are you up to now? And she told me um, just kind of this. she was doing this certain function, um, unsure about what was next. And I said, oh, so you're kind of in a— a waiting season, and she said, "Well, if I'm in a waiting season, I don't want it to be a waiting season." And and I'm like, "Oh gosh!" She and she wasn't rebuking me; she was just telling me. So the way that I viewed it, I'm like, "Okay, productivity." She finished college, and now she does the next productive thing, whatever that is. And if it doesn't look like productivity, then it must be like waiting. And when she said that, if I'm in a waiting season, I don't want to identify as it being a waiting season. And I thought that's so good because in our Western mindset, for me, if you're not doing, then you must be waiting on the next thing that you're doing. But it's just in the resting that fruitfulness comes about. And so the Lord had me give her this picture of like a bird or something, I don't remember. But it was about the passage about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and they don't toil and they don't spin. They're never in a waiting season like— Lord, where's our source going to come from today? They don't know. They just exist, and the Lord transforms them into the fruitfulness that they are called to bear, which even isn't even in His image. Like, we bear fruitfulness in His image. So it was just a reminder to me that when you realize that your life is to bear fruit and it's not to conquer the mountain of productivity— um, Life is made for resting in the vine. So it's not a season of waiting versus a season of productivity. We're constantly in a season of fruitfulness, and that just looks different depending on the seasons that you're in. Well, uh, that reminds me of Habakkuk 2, where Habakkuk—I mean, it's it's bad. It's desolation in God's promised land. Uh, They are sent into exile at this point. And Habakkuk, he gets a vision of the Lord, and he writes it down, and he says, go for it, like— run after this vision. And it says, though it tarry, wait for it. And that sounds contradictory to what he's just saying to run after this vision. But I love that. Yeah. That in the waiting, it's productive. Yeah. You In the waiting for the fruition of a promise, for the fruition of what's happening in a season, full term, whether it's the end of this life, into glory, into God, um, glory with God in the next there is a running even in the waiting because you're so focused on God's will and yeah. abiding in Him that even though it tarry to be the final destination of either the season or the end of your life, yeah. you run after it. And so I love that. Yeah, and I love Katie, Katie Garrett, our dear friend, shared at the last entourage that the Lord had had her pull back for 40 days to— to focus on or to not make this certain life decision. And so when she got to the end of the 40 days, she thought the decision would be made because she was really focused on that. And like, there was no new revelation there, but then the Lord's like, but Hey, I brought fruit about, I brought a fruitfulness in this other area, but you don't see it because you were just looking here. And so it's just being fruitful is, it is a lifestyle and it's expansive and we don't see everything that God is, is doing. But um, I just want to challenge you, if you're like me, if, to fight or deny the flesh's desire to sow productivity over fruitfulness because one and if you're not careful, you'll find your value in productivity too. Like, Lord, I don't know what we're doing right now, where we're going, but I got this really awesome list of 20 things that I conquered today and, and marked off or whatever. If you're a list maker, I should be. I just jumble it all in my mind and then try to remember it. But but anyway, it doesn't it doesn't matter if it doesn't line up with what he's calling me to in this season. And sometimes it's just resting. Um I think and I touched on this a little talking about the the word of the of the Lord. And, and even when he leads me to sol- certain psalms to rest in right now, it says the Lord wants to speak and the Lord wants to teach you to pray. We know that from the scripture that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and he taught them. It is a pretty simple structure, but I think um, I think sometime we need to do it. Maybe we'll produce a 20 questions journal. Like, did you ever play that game, Jesse, growing up, 20 questions where you get to ask someone 20 questions? Like, did you ever play that game? I don't think so. 
Oh, I, I played MASH and oh, Weird yeah, Things, good one. but not 20 questions. Oh, well, we'll play 20 questions sometime on the podcast. Okay. But it's like you get 20 questions to figure out, like, who someone's identity, and it's only yes or no answers. And so I love games like this. Oh, cool. Yeah. So 20 questions, like, yes or no answers, and then you have to, like, figure it out at the end. Do you get to make up the 20 questions? Yeah. Oh, they sweet. Can, so is the person living or dead? Is Or what well, we can say it that way. Is the person alive? Yes or no? Is the person male? Yes or no. And so use your, what that be, deductive reasoning to, like, then figure out, okay. Oh, my gosh. And Paige is an Enneagram 5 investigator. Oh, so this so sounds this I like love she made game. it up. <laughs> so this is 20 questions. But I feel like in the season, the Lord's teaching me, I don't ask him enough questions. Cool. Like, he has a lot of opinion. He has an opinion about everything. And usually I don't invite him into it. I just invite him into the big things, not the small things. And so I told someone I'd love to do like a 20-question challenge where for 20 days you ask the Lord a question every day and you journal the response, whether it's the same question and you ask it over and over again or whether it's different, but you just get in a rhythm of asking questions. That's the point. Ask more questions because He wants to— he wants to speak and ask him about the small things and ask him about, like, because he told me, Paige, pray that I will make your feet fast like Elijah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's a normal discipline that I've asked the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to pray? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, every now and then that's just come about organically. Like, pray this, especially for another person. Pray this for whatever. Like, something comes, and I know I need to pray this for this person. Mm, but good. just asking the Lord, what do you want me to to pray um, specifically and then letting him quicken that. So that's a fun little game. Um, yeah. That makes me think of, oh man, that is so good because it just, what you just said about Uganda in the very beginning, how the Lord specifically told you things and then you just thought you'd know once you got there. But uh, just hearing the Lord say, ask more questions because. You, maybe you would have known that it was just praying for them when you got across the sea overseas whenever you yeah. saw them that that would be his way of blessing them and loving them and i think of antoinette weatherly who was yeah. the interim while you were uh, on leave because of baby oaks after having yeah. him uh she she is so exciting she became the associate pastor yeah, at the sherman so campus at victory life and Sherman is a city 35 minutes south from here in Durant, in Texas. And um, she posted, making her announcement that the Lord always told her, just let me surprise you. Why yes. don't you let me surprise you? And I thought, whoa, it's yes. so true. Even if He's spoken into our lives, most of the time it's incomplete and And we just fill in the blanks ourselves. Yeah. Uh, Just me testifying on that. Yes. And I I don't leave room in my productivity to let the Lord surprise me. So I love that. I'm going to be asking more questions. Yeah. We'll try to come up with like a journaling uh, format that you can print off and and take that challenge. We'll loop back to that and thought. But I don't know when. Someday. <laughs> um, the next one, I've been thinking a lot about this, um, is Sierra. We've referenced Sierra for Sierra. She's so like, great. Yeah. Um, she and I were having a conversation about an event that she had been at, and she heard someone else teach on this about— um, uh, I think it was I think it was Peter, maybe Paul, but in Acts, uh, they, they would travel through, and people would, would fall in—come under their shadow— and, and then they would be healed, um, like as this person's shadow seemingly would hit them. And the the point uh, that this teacher had made that Sierra was sharing with me was that it wasn't their shadow. They were in the shadow of the Almighty. And so when they would walk by, it was the shadow of the Lord that was overshadowing them where that, that healing uh, happened. And so I got to be a neat part of um, a healing experience that I didn't even know I was part of, where I was praying for a woman in front of me at church, and then a woman behind me that I didn't know um, came up and put her hand on, on my shoulder behind me while I was praying for a woman in front of me. And that was it. It was just, that was, it, it was in worship, 
finished, went and sat back down the next week. This like healing video played uh, and this woman pops up and I told my husband, I said, I know that woman. I said, she put her hand on me last week when I was praying for this other woman. And so then she starts sharing her testimony and it's about how she got like healed of arthritis when she went up and like put her hand on someone. And I like my jaw dropped and I like told my husband, I was like, so like perplexed because I understood like the I was standing, but her hand went on my shoulder, but I didn't even know her. I didn't know anything going on. And it had the point of this, it had nothing to do with me. There was such love and compassion stirred in what was going on, just in that space of praying for the one we were praying for, that I have no doubt that the Lord was just overshadowing in that moment. And she just walked into it, and it didn't even matter that no one knew her name or no one knew. Like, she came under the shadow of the Almighty in that moment, and I didn't even know. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know, and I was in the middle of it. And how how often is that true in our lives that we're in the middle of the miraculous and we have no idea what God is doing? So I, so in thinking about that, I keep thinking about how I think about women. I think about comparison and how someone will feel like, oh, I'm in like a sister to another. I'm in her shadow. No, we all want to be in each—we want to be— you don't want to be in my shadow, I don't want to be in your shadow, but we all want to be in the shadows together, and it's in Amen. the shadows of the Almighty. Like, So come into the shadows with me. Let's get in His shadow together, and then we're casting, like, the shadow's not ours. And so so it's kind of an undeveloped thought that I've just been running with in my mind, but I wanted to add it on my list of things today. At camp, um, I, I'm leading worship with my best buds, so uh, they know me better than others, and, and I am— my MO is casual. Like, that's how I lead worship. That's pretty much how my life is. It's just casual, everyday jargon. And so we're leading worship, and it's like, um, you know, a serious moment in the slow song or whatever. And just in, in the break of the song, I just asked the kids, any of you ever seen Peach Dragon, the new or the old? And, and you know, people raised their hand everywhere. And my friends in the band were like, oh, my gosh, this is a serious <laughs> moment. And she's bringing up Peach Dragon. Katie and, Garrett would appreciate this. Yes, I need to tell her. <laughs> and I just brought up Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow yeah. of the Almighty. And I That's just right. told them. Um, that the enemy is trembling here because they see uh, Elliot, the dragon behind Pete, and it's not anything Pete's done. It's his friend who's with him and the power and authority Elliot carries and that God is the roaring lion of yes. Judah, that he is a powerful and that power we have from the word of God, yeah. from being with him is in our lives and it shadows us yes. and makes the enemy tremble. Yes. And and I always have to say, we've brought this up before last year, but it's worth saying again. Yeah. Paige just saying, may the darkest place you dwell is in the shadow of the Most High. Yes, absolutely. It's true for me, true for you. So be thinking on that. Uh, this is one, I've, this probably deserves like a whole series, but um, and I, I don't have the, a passage open with it right now, but it's multiple times in the gospel that when Jesus goes to heal someone, it says that he, he's, he puts his hand on them and he sighs. And then he looks heaven, looking toward heaven, he sighs, and then he heal, heals them. And so I just think about the sigh of the Savior, like, oh, like, what does that sound like? Oh, like, like, what was his, what was the sigh? What was the exasperation? I think it was, I in my heart, I feel like it was like, how long do my children have to remain this way? That sigh of, Again, okay, here we are again, the brokenness and the fault, like humanity, and just uh, really releasing that compassion in that sigh. And so I feel like this is for my, in my life, I'm in a season of sighing that there's a need for compassion. Everyone, I don't think that's just me. I think that's probably for anyone in the body of Christ. I feel like, and when I say me, I actually mean probably entourage as a ministry, that there's just a high need for compassion everywhere. And so I feel like we're caught in this moment of Jesus's sighing. And I even think about a little further when it talks about how the Holy Spirit prays for us and it intercedes for us with groans that we don't understand. I think then about Jesus sighing on earth as he would just like lay hands on on people and Sierra and I, I love being in Uganda with Sierra because she's walked in maturity and things I've that are newer to me. So I could like pick on her when I needed help or wanted to learn uh, something. And we got to do this like a 
kind of like speed dating event and ministered like a ton, a couple hundred girls where it was like um, your desk set up face to face. And then they were like five minutes and they would come. It wasn't a specific time, but about five minutes and one on one, they'd come through and you just get to sew into them. So mostly orphan, vulnerable uh, high school girls that just needed a sister or a mom to pour into them. And so my favorite thing that we did in Uganda, probably because it's my heart, just one-on-one ministry like that, just exhorting. And so this girl had arthritis, and um, and so I'm like, okay, well, let's just—I want to pray for it to go. And um, and so I— I did, and I called Sierra over to to join me and in and to walk through that. But I just remember when I laid my hands on her, just pausing long enough to to think about Jesus and His sigh of compassion as He would lay hands on people. Not everyone, but sometimes that came about that He sighed and He looked He looked heavenward. And just thinking about how when the Holy Holy Spirit's interceding sometimes with, with groans that we don't understand, and, and sure, maybe that means, you know, for some, praying in your prayer language or praying in the Spirit or in, or in tongues. But I just think about that spirit of compassion and frustration at the fallen nature that God's children are in before uh, before they're redeemed, uh, just letting that sigh out of me. And so it's like a season of sigh and like, it's okay. It's okay to sigh. I, I don't know. That's all I got on that. Yeah. Yeah. We have, um, we have a safe house in town uh, yeah. at an undisclosed location. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Undisclosed. And uh, we get to walk through life with women in seasons, and there's just places uh, that have not been healed by the Lord and repercussions of some things in their life that there's these sighing moments where um, you you are led by love and truth of the Lord, but also this grace and mercy has of navigating. And I feel like there's just been a lot of sighing in places of just hurting with people where they are, even if we know where they go, current situations just, yeah, you have to deal with them, the reality of them, I guess. So there can be, so productivity doesn't always line up with sighing, but fruitfulness does, because then Jesus would heal. Mm. But there is that sigh, Mm. that bridge of, someone sent something to us this week that said compassion is like a bridge. Um, between heaven and earth, and, and I would agree with that. But anyway, I could meditate on this for a long time. So these are these are like, I'm always thinking on all these things that I have in my list. These are like, when my husband's like, hey, what are you thinking about? And I'm like, yeah, how much time you got? Like, where There's are you? You don't want to know what I'm thinking about. Like, <laughs> well, like, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking on these things. And that is simply what it means, too, to meditate upon the Word. Yeah. To The psalmist says that, and it doesn't have to look like a certain thing. Usually it looks like me chewing on something that's not a finished thought over and over again. Um, and then kind of the last thing I think that I want to touch on as we close this out is, um, are you willing to look like a fool? That something that, um, well, that, preparing for Uganda and just otherwise that I felt like the Lord just has asked me that, are you willing to look foolish? And the, and the Bible has something to say about the foolishness of, uh, of God and, and how God uses um, the, the foolish things of, I guess the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Did I get that? Yeah. And, uh, but I specifically, I'm thinking about in Mark, I think the passage, one of the first miracles Jesus performed, a uh, physical miracle was a man with a withered hand, at least in the gospel of Mark. And he had him stand up, and then he asked him to, like, stretch his hand out, which was an impossible thing until that time. And so I just think—I think about the man with a withered hand that got called out, and then Jesus kind of chose to make a spectacle out of him, but there was a miracle that was going to follow. But before the miracle happened, just think about how he felt while he stood up, and Jesus asked him to do something impossible— to stretch out his hand. The same for the man on the mat that got up, picked it up, walked with it, whatever. Um, there is a level of um, that foolishness, foolishness that confounds the wise that you have to be okay with to experience the miraculous. And and you, we don't know how long figuratively, what, how, what's that period of time where you feel like you're standing up in a room with a withered hand and you're just hanging on the word of Jesus like, I'm up, I'm standing and you're telling me to stretch out my hand, and that's all I've got. Like, that's all I've got. And so I feel like that is a place that the Lord's brought me into in this season of, are you okay with that? Because you have to be okay with that 
to get to the other side, the awkwardness of what seems foolish to men to be found in the miraculous. Can can you share really quick about the word that you got from Justin? Because I, Maddox, oh, because yeah. I honestly think that that vein of what he said was in this, of that childlike faith of just being undignified to where nothing in the world makes sense, but everything about God does, because I completely agree with what he said. Yeah. So we were, um, one of our team members, awesome guy named Justin. Hi, Heather, if you're listening, I don't know if you listen to his wife fellowships with us. Um, but uh, awesome team member in Uganda, highly gifted in, in discernment, and that informs how he encourages his people um, in the prophetic. But anyway, just a fruitful gift in his life. And so we were stuck in traffic uh, in the crazy highways of Kampala one night, and and he had a word of encouragement that he wanted to give to my mom, really my mom and my daughter and I, the three generations of us. And it was the funniest, most different word of encouragement. And um, and I believe him because I've seen his gift in operation, and I know he doesn't speak unless the Lord tells him to speak. And he said, um, it's been a pleasure like to serve with you guys because the Lord has shown me that basically he said, y'all are beautifully ignorant. And everyone erupted in laughter. Um, and he was probably a little uncomfortable about it. But he said, the Lord has, has shown me that you guys are just like ignorant to the ways of the world around you. And it's a beautiful thing. Like you don't even get them. They're not on your your radar. And, um, and, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and he, I guess it just kind of said that he saw it kind of in the three generations of us there. And so anyway, it was, it was funny, you know, and often someone would be like, I'm, I'm ignorant. What? But that's a great thing to be ignorant to. And so I take that as a great compliment. And I would say, yeah. yes. And that, and, and just testifying of the three generations of these women, it, it is just so evident of the wisdom in the life that flows from all of you. That um, that it just testifies that you really don't need anything in this world when you have him, and I, and when you're around every single one of you, I agree that uh, there it, you can sense that. <laughs> so and um, <laughs> we all drive like we're we're blessed with nice uh, vehicles that do their job, and they all have like dents and dings in them too, and it's okay. Yeah, the angels yeah. work overtime. Our, yeah, because um, there are just little things that, that really aren't even on our radar, like poles and parking lots, things like that. But uh, but anyway, so I think just in that tension of the of, of being okay to look like a fool sometimes so that the word of the Lord might be performed in and around me. So anyway, those are, that's a quick rundown of, um, yeah, what's been going on since I've been on here, the things I'm, I'm chewing on. And we'll see what happens next. Um, but may God bless you wherever you are today. I've been reading one of the Psalms I'm camped in right now, Psalm 67. And and in asking God, uh, what's on your heart, Lord? When I when I go to Him and pray right now, I'm trying to be disciplined to ask, what do you want to pray about? And I just feel like He is saying to me, the nations. And so this Psalm is about the nations. But um, verse 1 says, God be gracious and kind-hearted us and bless us and make his face shine on, on us. Sounds like part of the priestly blessing. But then two says, verse 2 says that your way be known on the earth and your salvation and deliverance among all nations. So no matter where you're coming or going from today, may you experience the gracious and kind-hearted nature of the Lord with his face shining on you and may his way be known to you in your comings and your goings. God bless you, ladies. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 